Welcome. Thank you for joining us for this latest online sermon. So glad you're here. Um, we're praying that God will work powerfully through this ministry. And if he has, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. That's impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week, please feel free to give online. There's a giving tab on our website. But now may God bless you through the preaching of his word. Thank you again for being here. Whoops. Big news this past week, I don't know if you heard, uh, but it was the 30th anniversary of a really great movie. Uh, anyone know what movie they celebrated? Nice, yes. And we have to consider, you know, as they painted a portrait of 2015, just all of the things that didn't work out. Um, most strikingly to me is uh, this, the hoverboard. I always wanted one. I was just waiting for time where I would be able to hover just like, you know, uh, Michael J. Fox, right? Or consider those Nikes. It's one thing to have Air Jordans. It's another thing to have those automatic lacing shoes. It's pretty awesome. I consider flying cars. I would like to have a flying car, the DeLorean. Or remember this vest. This vest, if you've seen the movie, got all wet and it had like its own HVAC system. It, it, it immediately got dry. That's awesome. Consider the food, you know, uh, living garden right in the kitchen. All we have now is, you know, the boxes outside our yards or Whole Foods, but they had that. Uh, the one thing I thought they were straight on was uh, the size of TVs. Uh, look, look at the size, you know, that's like 65 inch, so maybe they got that right, but little did they know we'd have LEDs, you know, so that, even better, right? And maybe most strikingly, the Cubs didn't win the World Series. Anywho. It reminds me, though, how hard it is to paint an accurate picture of the future. And how many of you have ever done, like, uh, where am I going to be in 10 years? Do you ever fill those out or have those thoughts? or uh, High school yearbooks, right? And I remember having those thoughts and thinking, you know, in 10 years, I'm going to be a pastor, right? And, and, and thankfully, that, that's what happened. But little did I know all the other different things that would happen all around me. Little did I know the awesome church family I'd be a part of or uh, the awesome family I'd have, uh, the girls surrounding me. Didn't know those details, right? And maybe right now you're sitting in a place where you wonder, how is my future going to turn out? Maybe you're a kid and you're thinking, you know, what, what is my career path? Where am I going? Is it going to be this college? What career am I going to be at in 10 years? Maybe you have visions for your family, you know, um, you know maybe you'll have uh, another set of twins, I don't know, or, or you know, another child, or go from there, uh, you know, your family will expand. Maybe you're thinking about where your kids will be, you know, that maybe they'll be, uh, you know, out of the house and, you know, go from there. Maybe you're just looking as a couple, you know, maybe we'll be retired and where will you be in 10 years? If you ever had questions about what your future holds, I love this lesson. Because Jesus speaks directly to your future and to mine. We're on the last uh, lesson of our, our series, uh, The Genius of Jesus, and today we hear about his future plans. And uh, I want to let you know, even if you don't consider yourself a Christian, if you're watching online, if you're just here today, you're invited to this future, and it's a preferred future. You're invited because we don't think it's an accident that you're here today. You're invited because God knows your name and the hairs on your head, and he gave his life for you so that this future could be yours. It's a pretty cool thing. But let me set up the framework for what he says about the future. Here's the framework. It was Monday, Thursday when he was discussing with his disciples. Which means if it was Thursday, the next day was Friday. Smart. Very good. You're with me. Uh, good Friday. And on that day, there would be, to put it shortly, a lot of drama. 
There would be so much drama that the disciples were, were so out of sorts, they wouldn't stand by Jesus. It always strikes me, one disciple actually fled naked rather than standing by Jesus. And that's like many people's worst nightmares, but he's like, no, I'm going to leave because I can't too much, you know, whatever. And Jesus is trying to say, there's going to be so much drama, I need to give you peace. I need to give you comfort. I need to give you a perspective uh, because I'm leaving you and you're going to have a lot of questions. What's great is that we find ourselves in the same scenario. I'm not sure what your week was like. I'm not sure what your life is like. But, but I know that there's drama there. There's drama in my life too. And to us who might wonder, where are you, God? To us who might question, what is, how, how are things working out? To us who might get anxious and afraid, God speaks into and he says, look at the future. Look at what's coming and let that be your peace. So let's get into it. From John chapter 14. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. Now, about rooms, let me pause there. I grew up with the King James Version, and you know how they translated this in the King James? Mansions. You know, I don't know about you, but like mansion sounds better than room to me. So I went back to the Greek this past week, you know. Is it room or mansion, right? And, and, the, and the significance was it's just a, it's a dwelling place. So what I see is that you can take your pick. Room or mansion, I'm having a mansion. I don't know about you. Anyway, so um, I'm getting a mansion, um, and he goes on. If it were not so, would I have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll be back. Right? No, anyway, I'm coming back, and I'm going to take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the place where I am going. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so... How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Well, Philip said, confused, Lord, well then show us the Father. That will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you such a long time, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Now pause there. We believe that there is one God, but this one God has three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you're ever wondering, you know, where is their evidence? Here is perfect evidence. How can it be that Jesus and the Father in a miraculous way, we have one God and three persons distinct in that Godhead. He goes on. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very I truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. This is the word of God. We're going to consider how God speaks of our future and how that frames our present. May God bless us. I want to ask the question, when or where have you felt most at home? When or where have you felt most at home? For me, I don't know why it is, but I always refer to my childhood home. Um, I go back to this house, 817 May Street in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. I'm not sure what it is about a childhood home. Maybe it's all the sleepovers that I had at that place. Maybe it's that my parents were there and, you know, you're under the roof of your parents. Maybe it's my brother and sister were there. I'm not sure, but there's something about that house that just makes me feel like that was my true home and everything else has been home, but not as much as home as that was. Have you ever had that sense of being truly at home? 
Well, then you can also have the sense of being away from home. And one of the strongest feelings you can have is homesickness, isn't it? I consider maybe you remember your first sleepover, your first camping trip, and your first time away from parents, and I don't know, I'm not looking for a raise of hands, but maybe you called and said, Mom, can I come home? Maybe it was going off to college, and you have to do your own laundry now, and all those kind of things, and you're surrounded by people you don't know, and you're like, Mom, can I come home? Well, I think if you're a Christian, the experience is that of a homesickness. That, that, that you might come in today feeling like, you know, I like my home and I'm good at my home, but I still feel there's something missing. You might have this experience that, that my truest home is still lacking some security and comfort. And, 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 and what I find is this, that it's okay to feel homesick because you need to know you're not at home. I grew up singing an old hymn, um, fill in the blank if you can, I'm but a stranger here, heaven is my home. And then I consider what Jesus says about that father's room or mansion. I also consider Paul's words in 2 Corinthians where he wrote this. He said, for while we are in this tent, he says, no matter your picture, my 817 May Street, your home right now, you need to know that was a tent and you're camping. While we are in this tent, we are grown and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So I'm even here to say that if you feel homesick, God might have done that to you. If you feel like there's an incompleteness right now, that is God's work on your life, not his absence, pointing you to your true home. And I love verse 2. Verse 2 says, If it were not so, this home, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Let's talk a little bit about preparations. I always like to see what they're planning for downtown Chicago. I'm a downtown fan. And one of the things I've seen is that they're uh, creating this place, uh, the George Lucas Museum. Star Wars fans, eat your heart out. Kind of cool. And and I'm still bummed that we don't have the 2016 Olympics. That's just me. I know you don't want to pay taxes. I get it. But I would have liked to see the lakefront after, you know, the Olympics and all that. And, and what I love about what, what people prepare is that I get to enjoy what people have prepared. You ever been on the opposite end of what someone else has prepared and it was really good? You know, someday I envision going to the George Lucas Museum. Or, or consider other things that people might prepare. Have you ever been on the side of someone who prepared a really good mo- meal for you? That's a good experience, Right? Someone sat down and, you know, whether it was grilled cheese, I consider last week, or whether it be, uh, you know, uh, Italian beef, it's great to be on the other side of what other people have prepared. At your own job and business, isn't it true that if you sit down and try to prepare something, that if God blesses it, you can prepare something pretty good? And what we learn is this, that preparation leads to good products, right? And, uh, and so you've been on the other side of a lot of things that have been prepared. Um, sometimes you're on the other side of presentations or sermons that have been prepared just for you. And, uh, yeah. and I love to hear Jesus is right now preparing as the master craftsman. And if you've ever been in Starting Point, one of our, our goals is we talk about his preparation and, and we look at the world. And if you go back to Genesis, if you open the first part of the Bible, you read how long did it take for him to prepare what we see and enjoy now? How many days did it take? Six. Six. And if you read literally, you know, you go from there and six and he rested on the seventh day, so seven's good too. But how long has Jesus been gone now? 
If you round up, it's about 2,000 years. And so I'm just saying, if he's got 2,000 years to do heaven and he did this in six days, I want to be there. Like, I can't, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm geeked out, I'm out of my shoes, I can't wait to be there. And, and the Bible says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard the goodness of what God has prepared for those who love him. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that because, as we'll sing later, that is the place where there will be no more sorrow and no more pain. As we'll consider, that is the place where I don't worry about my body because my body's perfect. How great would that be? A perfect body that doesn't age, doesn't decay. That's awesome. Uh, My relationships will be perfected. I don't need to worry about tiptoeing or eggshells or any of that because those will be great. My work will be perfected. That I can join in the masterwork of of Jesus who made this all and join in that and use those hands and gifts that God has given for his glory in a perfect way. How awesome is that? I'm looking forward to what he's prepared. I think it's going to be good. In fact, I would go and say that there's nothing we've experienced here on earth that will be equivalent to what God has prepared for us there that I think so far will it surpass any expectations. And how could your understanding of that future affect your present? If you know what's coming, how could that affect you right now? Well, well, Reminds me of a discussion I had. I remember um, how this idea shaped me even as a young man. I remember being in college and I visited a good high school buddy. Uh, he went to a different school that I did. He was trying to be a business guy. And, and I went to that college and I remember just being surrounded by like college guys, like freshmen in college and kind of getting the sense of, you know, what freshmen in college, you know, men were pursuing. And uh, one thing about it, you know, there was underage drinking there. Um, I'm not a perfect guy, but I didn't take part. I didn't know I was going to be there, and I found there was underage drinking. Beware, you know, I'm just trying to set the mood, okay? Um, And there was underage drinking, and then there was guys talking about what guys talk about. Um, And and most of them were talking about how much money they could get. They were picking degrees based on how much income they could have. And and then they were talking about romance and women, right? You know, and just looking at beauty and the outward appearance. and, And these were the pursuits of college guys, and then they looked at me. I don't know if it was because I spoke out or, or whatnot, but the discussion came up, and so, dude, why are you becoming a pastor? Why are you becoming a pastor? And God gave me a platform. I was able to tell him, you know, all those things that money will buy will be taken away. And I'm a, I'm a car guy as much as anyone, but those cars, they last, what, 10 years, 20 years? They'll be destroyed. I read the Bible, and it says that, you know, I, I, I think a companion is good, but do you know beauty fades? Um, still, a companion is good, but, but th- there, there's a time span for that pursuit as well. But what I know as a, a Christian is what God has prepared for me in heaven. See, it is God who has given you the desire of the good things on earth. And in heaven, those things will be perfected, and that is why I'm going to be a pastor, to shoot for what is coming at the end, not what's here. To, to shoot for, for, for the eternal pleasures and the surpassing pleasures and the things that this world has yet to see and we have yet to hear that our God is preparing for us. And it shaped my, my past and affected my future based on what I knew of God's plans for me. So I'm just saying, how could God's future plans affect your present right now? How could it affect your mentality and your pursuits right now? I think of midlife midlife crises and how we think like, oh, I haven't accomplished what I want to accomplish. And how much less would that be if we understood, no, the best is yet to come. The best is not here. It was never here. It was what Jesus was preparing. How could this affect uh, when people leave us? You know, when we feel lonely, when we feel homesick, we could know that we aren't home. That someday we will have that true sense of security and comfort. And until then, it will always be incomplete. 
But the way to receive the prepared goodness that God has for us is only through Jesus. Only through Jesus. Look at what he said in verse 6. He said, if you want all this, we've been talking about, he said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father. You don't get a room or a mansion except through me. And I consider how countercultural this message is. In fact, I consider how often culture has reversed this idea of Jesus being the only way. Uh, this week is uh, the Reformation if you're Lutheran. And um, we remember how on uh, October 31st of 1517, Luther nailed the, the 95 Theses on the Castle Church door of Wittenberg, Germany. And, and really what he was concerned about was that people were teaching there is another way besides Jesus. And he was upset about that, and rightly so. At the time, people were teaching it's not just Jesus, but it's also indulgences, that you can buy your way to God, which is a ridiculous thought, but they didn't have the Bible, so forgive them. But anyway, uh, they were teaching there was another way. I think we too can be tempted by this idea that what way is no way, we can be tempted by a Jesus plus. That maybe you've thought at one time, yes, Jesus has done something for my salvation, but I have to complete it. I complete it by being good, I complete it by giving, by praising, by serving, by, by what I have to then do. And God tells us today that there is no way, that is no way at all. Or I consider the age that we live in, the cultural that, uh, messages that we hear is that just pick a path. Pick a path. You can pick Islam, you can pick Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, Judaism, Mormonism, Shintoism, any other ism, and they all lead towards God. Right? I don't know if you heard that message. I have. Um, that any way besides Jesus we need to know is no way. Because look again what Jesus said. He said in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So as we hear these thoughts, what is the sin that God is working on in your hearts? You see, we need to be real with our sin in order to be real with the Savior. We need to confront the bad in order to get better. Is it perhaps that you and I struggle with keeping our sense of home there instead of here? Do you ever look at your earthly home and just try to build everything complete around you, forgetting what is coming, forgetting that it doesn't matter what furniture you have, what subdivision you live in, your true home is not here? Is it perhaps we're tempted to live by a Jesus plus theology? Yeah, Jesus did some, but I'm going to prove how good I am and Jesus accept me based on who I am. Or, or maybe is it that we struggle as Christians um, about hearing culture's voice and that so often we're interpreting the, 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 the words of Jesus through our lens of culture and, and, and as long as they, they get through the lens of culture, then Jesus' words are okay. Where really we should switch that and whatever culture is saying should go through our lens of Jesus and then what comes out on the other side, then that's okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? So often we hear the opposite. What is it that God is proving to you today in your heart and mind? What's interesting in our lesson is that Jesus got frustrated. Did you know that? A perfect God got frustrated. Look at verse 9. Verse 9, he said, uh, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time. <laughs> Jesus was teaching. He's like, come on. Like, you saw me open the eyes of the blind, walk on water, calm the sea. Recently, you saw me raise Lazarus from the dead. Don't, don't you understand who I am, that I am the Messiah? I wonder if Jesus looked at our lives this past week, just this week, would he have had cause to get frustrated? 
What if he had looked down and said, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? Like, don't you get it yet? What in the world are you doing? What in the world are you thinking? But I love that he doesn't just leave us being frustrated. But rather, our Savior is going to do something about the ones he's frustrated with. And that's why he has to leave his disciples on Monday, Thursday. And that's why Jesus is handed over to the authorities. It's why he's unfairly tried. It's why he's tortured. It's why he's crucified. So that those who frustrated him could be forgiven. We're forgiven. All who are under the sound of my voice are forgiven through Jesus. We also have an opportunity to live for him in ways maybe we haven't before. To go forward and get it right. To go forward with understanding where this all leads and what the future means for our lives and live accordingly. Let's talk about that. And what I love about this lesson is it's not just talking about heaven. It's also talking about what we're going to do here on earth. And look at verse 12 with me. Verse 12 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I love, I love that idea. Jesus is saying, what you saw me do is what you're going to do. Uh, here I'm kind of reminded of those who follow in Father's footsteps. Um, I'm reminded of uh, this family. Let me bring them up. Manning family. You have Archie Manning, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning. I wonder if the boys ever grew up saying, you know, it's just a matter of time before I'm an NFL quarterback. Just a matter of time, you know, my dad threw touchdowns, I'm going to throw touchdowns. And and this is, you know, hits home to me because I watched my dad preach and I'm like, someday I'm going to be a preacher. And I'm not sure if you ever followed in your father or mother's footsteps, but there's this idea, I see you doing something, I'm going to do it. Maybe it was a sibling, like my my brother brother does it, they don't even know that I'm going to do it better. My sister does that, they don't even know I'm going to do what they did, but better, right, you know? Jesus saying, what I did, you're going to do. And that just, it's, it's exciting. Because here's what I see about Jesus. I know that Jesus walked on water. And so are you telling me today, God, that I get to do this party trick where I'm at a pool and, hey, guys, look at this, you know? No floaty. Or what about this? Jesus was able to heal diseases, the worst diseases. Does this mean that when I'm sick or when my loved one is sick, I can just go in there and, like, cancer be gone? Yeah. That'd be awesome, Jesus. Or Jesus rose Lazarus. And so maybe now, whenever I go to a family funeral, I tell everyone, I announce, it's no longer a funeral, everybody. You need to know this person was dead, but now I'm going to make them alive through Jesus. Get up. Is that what Jesus is talking about? (laughs) It'd be cool. (laughs) And if it was necessary and beneficial, I also believe he could enable us to do it. But the key that unlocks this whole thing is this word, greater. Can you say that with me? One, two, three, greater. What are the greater things than walking on water and raising It kind of reminded me of this passage uh, that we were talking about in our home this past week. There's this passage that says, Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. I I love that that the God you follow, he's a greater God. He's a more God. In fact, I wanted to ask you this question. Um, When was the last time you recognized that God was a more God? Has there ever been a a time where you experienced he surpassed your expectations? I remember starting a church and, and thinking that we would only have electronic MIDI music. thought that, that was what we were going to be, and that's how we are going to you know, praise God together. And then I look around and, and who he's brought and the talent that God has given, and man, I'm excited. 
I remember visioning working with God's people someday and what a joy that would be, but I way underestimated how talented, I way underestimated what a joy it would be to walk beside people in Jesus. I, mean, I had thoughts about where I would live or the car I would drive. And it's better. It's better because he's a more God. Has he done that in your life? Has he done that in your life? Has he surpassed your expectations? That's a more God. He wants more. And not only about what he wants to give to you, but what he wants to work through you. So let's talk about greater. What are the greater gifts? Well, I don't know about you. I I don't know what is better. You know, it's one thing to walk on water. It's another thing to be with someone as they find their Savior Jesus and their lives and eternities are changed. And this is what I believe, that sharing the gospel is greater than walking on water. It is one thing to go into a funeral and say, rise up and live for a few more years. It's another thing to tell them, there's a place prepared for you. And it's better than this earth. You might have had two more years on earth if I raised you here. You have eternity to go to there if I just tell them. And so what I think the greater things are sharing the gospel. The thing that we can do greater is that we know who the way is. And we get to reach out and say, I need to tell you the way. I need to tell you the way. So how might you be part of the greater? Let's, let's be greater, guys. Well, maybe it's not about becoming a pastor. Maybe it is. But, but maybe it's about being more intentional at your career. That you're going to shine a light for Jesus. That you're going to be active in, in, in spreading the gospel or supporting the cause of the gospel. It spreads throughout the world. Maybe it's about your home life. And it's not really about how many kids you have. But it's about how intentional you are with the gospel in your home. That the greatest thing you pass on to your kids is not a GPA. It is not an athletic thing. It is not a a successful career. The greatest thing you pass on to your kids and can ever pass on to them, get me here, is the way that Jesus, the Savior, he's the best thing that could be part of your house. Maybe it's about living with intentionality and boldness. We have opportunities always to be courageous for the sake of Jesus, to invite others to share the gospel because we know the way. So go forward. Go forward today with peace or confidence, whether your home is great right now or whether it stinks. Go home with peace and confidence because regardless of where you fall in there, you're not home anyway. Go forward pursuing greater things. Let's stop wasting our time. Let's be intentional with sharing the gospel with as many we can meet. Amen. Please stand.